Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello. Welcome to church. Yes, I am married. Can you believe it? This thing comes off. So what you want to find out tonight as we preach is, oh, oh, wow. So there's an illustration in this. We're sending you all out, pulpits and all, to go and preach the gospel. Um, but it really is amazing to be here tonight. What a privilege to preach. We have a full house tonight. How exciting is that? Um, we really are trusting God to explode this evening service, and uh, it's, it's a move the mountain season, and we, we've seen radical growth with our morning, we're seeing radical growth here, Milnerton is rocking, um, as, as I've heard, so really exciting times in the life of this church and in the life of many churches. Um, let me start the timer, we could be here all night. Um, but yes, my wife did send me a photo of my towel on the bed this evening and said, you and your towels. We'll get that later. That's fine. Um, but really, I'm learning. I'm learning things. Um, marriage is the most exciting, most humbling thing in the world, uh, which is really cool. But um, really excited for tonight as we adventure on this series called Move the Mountains. It is our vision statement for the year. But we also felt to preach into it for a few weeks post-Vision Sunday, really just to get it into our bones and, and, and grapple with this thing of what does it look like for a community of people, that's you, um, to, to move mountains, to, to go after things, to pursue God. Um, like I said, um, my name is Tyler Lynn. I was born in a beautiful town called Springs in Johannesburg. Um, and so, uh, and I'm meeting a lot of people from Springs these days. So we're going to take over the world one step at a time. Very slowly, but we'll get there. Um, and uh, just got married, which was an incredible wedding. We had so much fun. I really loved every minute of it, being able to celebrate with my friends. And then, obviously, the, the much-anticipated honeymoon, and we went away to Hermanus for a while, which was a, a lot of fun, and got to relax and rest. And then we started our... I, th- I thought I'd tell you one story from honeymoon. Um, so we started our great trek through um, Namibia. So we decided to go to Namibia for honeymoon. I know it's a little bit different. Everybody's like, there are two options for honeymoon, Zanzibar or Mauritius and Thailand if you're on a budget. So um, so I looked at all three of those, couldn't afford that, so we went to Namibia. Um, so we're driving, we're driving. And so as one does, I'm newly married. I'm, I'm the man of the house now, can say that. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Um, and then, and so so... So I'm driving through Namibia, and obviously, obviously, we don't, we decide, you know, we're for insurance purposes and a whole bunch of things, we think, we're just going to take a normal car to Namibia, so that's all fine, don't ever do that, um, and so we get in the car, we're in um, Kate's Polo Vivo, it's new, it's nice to drive, and so we go, and I check online, I say, can you drive on the roads of Namibia with a normal car, and for the most part, you can, and you can, it just, you basically will bounce out of yourself, but I mean, it's really exciting. But as we're driving, I'm just telling Kate, you know, we're literally driving through the middle of nowhere. Um, if you were to get stranded there, I do not know how you would get help. Um, it isn't, a, but it is a magnificent country, and um, we drove through um, mountains. We drove through. Can you believe it? They have vineyards in Namibia. Um, and we drove through all of these beautiful places. But then we got to this place called the Moon Landscape. And the last time I was in Namibia, 
I had a little moment with a car, um, and we, but that was all sorted out. And so the whole way there, I was just telling my wife, you know, when you drive through um, uh, um, gravel or soft sand, what you don't want to do is, is brake too hard because you'll lose control. And, and, you know, just really being the man of the house. You know, I, I can drive. I'm a good driver. And so we get to this little winding road in the middle of what they call the moon landscape. And I've, I've laid it on thick. I'm like, what you want to do is you want to keep low gears. You don't want to speed up too much. And I've laid it on thick. Kate thought I was the best driver in the world by the end of all of my talking. Um, so we come down this moon landscape. It was the most petrifying moment of my life. But um, we come around and it is a mountain pass. And we come around a bend, and the bend got a little bit sharp, a little bit quick. And I was probably going 10 k's too fast. And I told her about 100 times, you must never brake when the back wheels skid out. And the back wheels just start to do this. And you know when the like, fear sets into your heart? You're like, I am driving this car. I have to deal with this problem. And as it goes, I just feel the back wheels start to go out. And what do I do? Must never break when you're spinning out. Ah! Petrified, but very quiet. And literally the car went left and went right and went left. And we literally turned like this four times. And as I, and I got the car under control, got it to a stop. Thankfully we had mountain on both sides, not cliff on both sides. And I literally, Kate looked at me and I had, and I'm going to illustrate and you shouldn't laugh, but I had this smile on my face. Standing there, and Kate looked at me, said, Yeah, we did the rest of that drive 20 k's an hour in third. It was fantastic. So, honeymoons with me are a lot of fun. So, that's the point of that story. Um, but we did have an amazing time, and it really, really was cool to be away, and really excited to be back. Um, really, uh, I, I wasn't able to obviously be at the faith conference, but heard incredible stories. I've been listening to the sermons. What an amazing time of putting faith in our hearts and, and calling us to more. And, and I have got faith for this church to move mountains. And the reality is that I am a part of this community. Um, it is not a, it is not a us and you or a the leaders and you type reality. Actually, we are one community that God is calling to move mountains. And uh, I believe that this is not this move the mountains, not just a preaching series, but it is a statement of faith as we believe God for more. It is us as a church putting a stake in the ground, even though as believers we are called to faith, but it is us as a church putting a stake in the ground and going, God, we want to see you move mountains. We want to see you do the radical in this community. We are believing God for crazy, big, wild, city-changing, life-altering faith steps this year and in the years to come. We are trusting God that through the decisions that we make as a community, whether it be in our workplaces, our schools, our homes, our families, our businesses, all of these things, we are trusting that as we do this, we would see the power of heaven break open over the city. I believe that we are going to take faith steps that will see marriages restored, families healed, sickness leave, drug addiction broken, salvations come to a very, very broken city called Cape Town. Why? Because we are trusting a God who can do more than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And that's not just me. That's what the Bible says. That is the Word of God. It says that He can do more than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And so as we venture on what you could call a preaching series, but actually is a mantra for what we believe to be our lives as believers, is we want to see the kingdom of heaven break in over Cape Town. 
And as we, we preach this, it is not simply a, a preaching and a coming to church and sitting and going, oh wow, the preacher did so well. But actually, we dream and trust and pray constantly that as the word is preached, we would take a hold of it, apply it to our lives, and see the kingdom of God come through us. That is why we preach the word. Um, and so as we engage in this series, and as I have the privilege of, of engaging a, a little bit of it, I really am trusting that mountains would be moved not only in the city and not only in um, situations and circumstances and places that you are in, but also in your own life. Because I believe that we, we trust God to move mountains, but we also trust God to move the mountains in us. And sometimes the mountains in us can seem like very, very big things. They can seem like things that are just almost where we, we sit down and we go, this is too big for me to deal with. I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, that's a good place to be. Because when you land that it is too big for you to deal with, you will start to realize that you need God. You need Jesus, the Savior of the world, who was able to move the greatest mountain, the brokenness of humanity, and bring salvation to the world. That Jesus can deal with the mountains in your life. That is the Jesus I want to present to you tonight. Tonight we're going to be having a, a look at a, a stirring story by a, in, in the book of Acts, in Acts 3. And we've been looking at, at the book of Acts. And last week you would have heard uh, Mark preach on, on Acts 2 and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, and what that was was a moment where Jesus left. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you, the church, and you will be empowered to go out and change the world. And so what happened was the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were empowered, and then we get into this story in Acts 3 about a man named Peter and John. We love the Word of God, we believe that the Word of God transforms us, so what I would love to ask you to do is, if you wouldn't mind standing as we read the Bible together, this is an interactive sermon, I'd love for you to engage with it. Um, it's, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Um, let's read together. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Father, I pray tonight as we preach your word, God, as we read your word, as we engage with your word, Father, I pray that it would transform us from the inside out. I pray, Holy Spirit, that it would not only be a, a, a momentary preach, God, but rather a, a kingdom moment to see transformation come to our lives, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are doing something powerful with this community of believers. Thank you that you are doing something powerful in the midst of each and every life here, Father. Thank you that you want to use us powerfully, God. We pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Please take your seats. 
And as I said earlier, just to give context to the story, they've just been filled with the Holy Spirit, they've been empowered, there's a call of God, there's an engaging, there's a, okay, we're going to do this thing for God. And, and so the story begins, and, and this story be, uh, starts with Peter and John who are walking to the temple. They're going to pray. This was a normal day-to-day act for them. It wasn't anything particularly unusual out of their schedule. Rather, it was a a normal day, a normal act. They were walking past the gate, which they had walked past many, many times. I think it's super important to note that actually Peter and John would most probably have seen this man many, many, many times. They would have walked past him many times. He potentially would have begged for money from them many, many times. But this was a normal run-of-the-mill day for Peter and John. They were going to the temple at 3 o'clock, as was planned in the Jewish culture, to go and pray to this incredible God. But in this moment, and this is where I want to kick off with my first point tonight, is my first point is this, live with expectation. Live with expectation. And as we engage and go, God, we want to move mountains, I believe this is a key learning from this story as we trust God to move mountains in our city, in our lives, in our workplaces. Because actually in this moment, as Peter and John are walking past, they are expectant for God to use them. They are expectant for God to use them in an ordinary moment of their lives. They're walking, it's three o'clock in the day, they are going to pray, and I believe so often in our everyday lives, we live without expectation. We go to big moments, like potentially a conference moment, I've, I've attended many conferences in my life, I've been to many youth camps, I've been to all of these things, and, and what we speak about so often, or even a holiday, you, you, you go to a holiday with this expectation of, wow, this time is going to be incredible, and we live this life where I have expectation for big moments, But in my day-to-day life, I live without expectation. I live almost in the the humdrum of I'm going to wake up in the morning, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to do my my normal things, and and that'll be normal. And then in the big moments, in the conference or the camp or the the time away, then I go, okay, now I'm going to have expectation. But I would dare to say that I believe God wants to flip that on its head. And He wants us as believers in Christ, and if you don't know Jesus today, I believe He's calling you into His incredible story and future. I believe He wants to flip that on His head, on its head, and turn us into a people who have an expectation in our daily lives. Expectation that God would use us in a powerful way. I believe that God wants to move mountains through us and in us on a daily basis. And I think when we live in that space of daily pursuing and expectant for God, we will start to see Him working, and those mountains that move will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't believe this was the first time, and we know from Scripture, this was not the first time Peter and John had engaged with healing. We know that it's not the first time that they had engaged with the miraculous. Jesus had to coach them. He taught them, but they lived with expectation. When they were with him, there was this like, what's going to happen next? And I, I know that I fall short of this so often, but I want to live with a what's going to happen next attitude in God. And I believe that God is wanting to flip that on its head and teach us how to be expectant all the time. That big moments would simply be the cherry on the cake. That God is using us all the time. I believe, sir or ma'am, as we see with Peter and John in the story walking, it even gives the time that they were going to the temple, I believe that your calendar is a catalyst for the kingdom. I believe that your calendar is a catalyst for the kingdom of God to break into people's lives. And you know what the difference is? 
You simply need to engage it in that light. You need to go, okay, this is my day. I plan this all the time. But God, I want you to use this calendar to bring your kingdom in people's lives. And what I'm doing there is I'm going from a posture of, okay, let's see what happens today, to God, I am expectant for you to use me. I'm expectant for you to do something radical in my life. Your calendar is a catalyst for the kingdom. I believe that expectation is the first step towards seeing mountains move. Expectation is that first step we take where we go, okay, nothing's happened yet. We haven't seen the miraculous happen yet. We haven't seen mountains move yet. But what we do know is we serve a good God. We serve a powerful God. And so I choose to engage Him in the, uh, the light of expectation. Of going, God, this calendar, as I set my day, as I go to my two o'clock meeting or my dinner with my family at seven o'clock or, or a breakfast with a colleague at seven in the morning, whatever it may be, God, I want you to put expectation in my heart to use these moments. Because I believe that when believers in the space that they are in become expectant, we will start to see our city transform. Because maybe that day something miraculous doesn't happen, but maybe the next day it does. And for that reason, I want to live expectant. Expectation is saying, God, I am here, use me. Expectation is very simply saying, I'm here, God, use me. As we, I think often in the, the simple moments of our lives, we live with a little bit of, God, I know you, and you will use me in those special moments. But I think God is saying, no, flip that on its head and trust him to use you all the time. The word says that we are called to be people that walk in the spirit. And we see in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, they um, are empowered by the Spirit. There's a kind of a, a big moment. And actually, the, the Bible promises us that, that when we meet Christ, we will be um, filled with this power of God. When we give ourselves to Christ, when we come to salvation, there is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then it speaks about the baptism in the Spirit, which is this increased power, this, this uh, Holy Spirit infilling that gives us the power to engage the world. But that empowering is not simply to be empowered. It is not simply to experience God. It is a blessing to experience God. It is amazing to experience the power of God. But God's directive and Jesus' directive to us is very clear. That empowering is to live a life of impact. It is to live a life by the Spirit. He gives us that power so that we can impact. We begin to walk in step with the Spirit. And what that looks like is a constant awareness of the presence and power of God. And I want to say to you, this is not a mystical thing. The empowering of the Spirit, yes, it can be radical, it can be different, it can be all of those things. But the empowering of the Spirit is there, and the walking in the Spirit is there to show other people Jesus. It is very simply that. The Spirit shows us the glory of God. The Spirit points us to Jesus. And so it's living with this constant awareness that God could use you at any time. I can imagine Peter and John walking. They are going on their normal day. It's three o'clock. They're going to pray. They hear this man beg for money. There is an expectation in Peter's heart. He turns around and he goes, look at me. There's this, okay, God, you're going to use me. And, and almost this moment of, look at me. I don't have what you want, sir. But I have something far better. His name is Jesus. We are called to walk by the Spirit with expectation in our hearts. And this is a practice thing. I do not believe that this is an all-the-time thing. I believe it is practiced and learnt. 
every day going, okay, God, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to push into a space of expectation. Point number one, live with expectation. Point number two, step out in faith. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were healed. That is an act of faith. It is an act of obedience. Imagine the Spirit saying to Peter, do this. And I can imagine the bewilderment in his heart. He's going, okay, I'm going to do it. And I don't think that God is necessarily ask, uh, expecting us to, to do miracle works. He's going, just be obedient to me. And you will see me do the miracles. I think so often we want to be obedient to God, but we do not know how to be obedient to God. And I believe that Jesus is so passionate about our obedience, because through that we will see mountains move. What are the things that often prevent us from being obedient and taking steps of faith? I don't, number one, I don't have X, Y, and Z, therefore I cannot be obedient. When I was about 16, 17 years old, this incredible man here, Gabriel Phillips, used to pick me up in his Toyota Conquest. Its bonnet was a little bit broken. It used to rattle when you drove. Um, but it was an incredible times where he would just pick me up at his house and we'd drive and chat about God and challenges and all these things. And those were defining moments in my life. And I remember when I came onto staff here at church, I, I had a wonderful silver scooter. Um, it really was very nice. Um, summer was lovely. Winter was terrible. But I loved my scooter. But I remember just thinking, I remember in my mind going, you know what, one day when I get a car, I'll be able to spend time with people like Gabe did with me. One day when I get. And so many of us live in that space. God, I want to be obedient to you, but one day when I get. Or one day when I have. Or one day when that thing gets sorted out. But how's this for amazing? I got a car. And I didn't do much different. I got in my car, I came to work. I left, I went home, and one day I just remember sitting there thinking, and I was blessed with a car, someone bought it for me outright, and I just remember going, I wanted this car for a reason. And that reason was to be able to pick up young people, I was leading a youth at the time, pick up young people, engage with them, love them, and I remember that I had to intentionally make the decision to become obedient with what God had given me. Not go, one day when I get that thing, I will be able to be obedient. I want to say to you, what does God put in your hands? Peter and John looked at the man. What did the man want? He wanted money. Peter and John did not have that. But they went, sir, what I do have, I give to you. And I believe God wants to use what is in your hands to do the incredible for God. That story is so close to me because I just realized that without the active step of obedience, you will never use what you have. Without the active step. And I think often we live in a passive space of when I get that thing, I will be able to step out in faith. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And I just want you to remember that scripture. Go read it when you get home. And every time you go with, if I just remember that scripture, God has given you everything you need. It's such a radical truth that has to permeate our hearts. I'm the kind of guy who permanently wants to be doing something different or new or wants this new thing or I'll buy something new and then I'm like, okay, and like now I want the next thing. But actually I realize that God has given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. And I think so often we don't step forward in the call of God because we are not being obedient with what he's given us now. We do not step forward in the call of God because we are not being obedient with what he's given us now. Sister, I've given you a classroom. 
I've given you a, a workplace. I've given you all of these things. Be obedient with this, and I will move you on in the call that I have for you. And I think sometimes we don't know what obedience looks like, so we struggle to engage with it. And I believe obedience is this. Obedience is first seeing who God is. Seeing who God is. To be obedient without knowing God is legalism. It is a simple following of rules. It, has, it is lifeless. To be obedient without knowing who God is, is legalism. And to know God without being obedient is licentiousness. It is this, I know you God and I love you God, but I'm not going to take anything you say seriously. And I don't believe that that is what God calls us to. Obedience is number one, knowing God. It is then choosing to set aside your own will or understanding. To step out in faith, sir or ma'am, we've got to put our understanding to the side. Some, I can imagine for Peter and John, this was a moment. I don't think any moment in God is cut and dry. And imagine the Spirit said to him, grab him by the hand and pull him up. There is a moment there where Peter is, um, was looking at that going, okay, I'm not sure if this is going to work out, but I choose to put my own understanding aside and be obedient with this God. Number one, obedience is seeing who God is. It is choosing to set aside your own will. It is submitting that area to God and trusting Him with it. Perhaps that's your business. Perhaps that's your family. Perhaps that's a whole bunch of your your children. It's going, God, I know you. I know who you say you are. I'm going to put my own understanding aside, and I'm going to trust you with this thing. And then lastly, it is taking a physical step of faith. Because if we know the theory, that's great. But we have to action it. It has to be, okay, God, we are struggling financially. And you hear God, and He says, sir or ma'am, you need to start giving. Okay, God, I know who you say you are. I do not have enough money, but I'm going to put my own understanding aside because you are who you say you are. I'm going to submit this thing to you, King of Kings, and then I'm going to take the step of faith and start to give. That is what it looks like to be obedient to God. It is such a simple thing, and I believe that, that so often we can get caught up in the, the theory and the, the complexities that we create in our own mind, and God is just saying, engage me. Um, a prime example of this in my own life is with my, my dad. My dad's not a believer in Christ. Um, we've had some challenging times over the years. But actually, and often I would think with my dad, I would go, actually, I don't think he can ever come to know God. And I honestly had those thoughts. thought that he'll never come to church. He'll never do those things. But I had to go, okay, God, I know who you say you are. I know who you say you are. I'm going to put my own understanding aside, my own feelings, my own thoughts. I'm going to trust you with this. And one day, about two years ago, I said to my dad, Dad, why don't you come down and listen to me preach? He got on a plane, he flew to Cape Town, he walked in the back of a church door. I never thought he'd walk into a church. I've told this story before. Six months ago, I'm at his house, next to his bed is Faith Like Potatoes. I said, where did you get that? He said, no, it was a gift. I said, have you read it? He said, yeah, it's an amazing book. He hasn't committed his life to God yet, but actually simple steps of obedience. And you will start to see what you view as an impossible mountain will start to move. Why? Because I know who God is, I'm setting aside my own understanding, submitting it to God, and taking a step of faith. Peter and John believed God for the impossible in somebody else's life. I believe that we will see mountains begin to move in our own lives when we contend for the mountains of others. I I truly believe that outside of community, you will never walk into the purposes of God. How do I know that? That is my story. And I believe that when we start to contend for the mountains of others in the midst of mountains of our own, 
we will start to see things move. Often our own breakthrough is a byproduct of our fighting for other people's lives. And I want to encourage you. I want to call you. I want to say this community thing is not something we make up because we don't, don't have any friends and we need some. It isn't that. It's us believing what God says and who He is. And friends are a byproduct. Yes, thank you, Lord. Um, but actually, I believe that when you get stuck into community and not just stuck into community, but fighting for other people's stories, you'll start to see the breakthrough of God in your own life. There are so many people in this room that I could go look at um, and speak about where I have chosen actively to fight for a little part in their story. And I could tell you exactly how that has blessed my own life. I've learned more about God. I've started to understand how He feels towards me. Sometimes when you, uh, I was in youth ministry for many years and what you'll find is young guys will come in, they'll be your best friend for six months and then they'll go and you you feel deflated and there's a, okay God, I'm going to fight again. Why? Because I'm a son of God. And what happens around me does not determine my identity. I'm going to continue to look to you. I'm going to take steps of faith. And I'm going to fight for other people's mountains. It's God's job to move the mountains. It's simply your job to step out in faith. It's God's job to move the mountains. It's your job to step out in faith. What moments has your calendar already got set up for you this week? That could be kingdom moments, faith moments, and obedience moments. Just before I get to my last point, I just wanted to tell a quick story of a lady. Her name is Ellen Catherine Kajina. She's currently the, the Commissioner General of the Ugandan Revenue Authority, their tax authority. And she spoke at the Global Leadership Summit three years ago, and she told the story of how she was working for, for the, the Ugandan Tax Authority. She was simply working there, but her and her colleague would meet every week and pray for that tax authority. The, um, the people called that particular tax authority in Africa one of the most corrupt authorities in the world. They, it was known as a den of thieves. In 2004, the job of, of her current job, which is to oversee that, became available. And she felt God say, apply. She shouldn't have gotten the job. Um, by her, her qualifications, all of these things said she shouldn't get the job. But she applied. She was obedient to God. And in 2004, she became the head of the URA. Incredible story. Then she said she had no clue what to do. So she said, okay, I'm going to get my pastor in. So she got her pastor in. Her pastor sat down with her and he said to her, Alan, I do not know what to do here. You are an anointed tax collector. God wants to use you in this space. I cannot do anything here. And so she took up the mantle and, and she, in this talk, she says this, she says, God has invaded the tax authority and revenue has grown by 317% in the last 10 years. I am convinced we are not a poor nation, she said. The URA is now sending people out from its ranks to head businesses, to work for the World Bank, to do things they never would have been able to do when their primary reputation was corruption. If we will invite the kingdom of God into public areas, into businesses, into churches, I believe that God will take over and we will begin to see better societies. I believe we will begin to see better societies. She took radical steps of faith in that space. She actually retrenched the entire um, um, revenue authority and they had to reapply for their jobs. But in 10 years, they have become known as an organization that people want their employees. Why? Because one woman took a step of faith. And I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, mountains like that can move in your own life. Maybe your business is in a tough space. Take a step of faith. Maybe it's meeting with someone to pray every, every, uh, once a week. 
Maybe it's applying for that job that you've been scared to apply for. I want to say to you, trust God, take a step of faith, and this radical story of an entire um, organization that is the, the lifeblood of the finances of a country can be transformed. Why? Because one woman was obedient to God. I want to say to you, He can use you in the same way. What mountains is God calling you to today? Is it a speak life moment with a colleague? I loved what James Lennox said on, uh, on Thursday night. He said, we're a church who wants to speak life into situations. Maybe you just need to walk up to a colleague and speak life into their life. And you'll start to see transformation. Maybe it's just a be there moment of a friendship, of, of being with someone as they're in a tough space. Maybe it's a prayer moment. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God has put on your agenda for this week. But the same way that Peter and John walked with expectation, they engaged the man and they stepped out in faith. And the last thing we read, and this is my last point, is give glory to God. It goes on to say, he jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. And it goes on to say that all the people saw him praising and they were astounded. I want to say to you today that when mountains move, people notice. When mountains move, people notice. And I believe that we live before a watching world. We've said this many times before, but we believe that as, as Christians, as ambassadors of Christ, we have the opportunity to show the world what it looks like to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And I believe that in every moment of God's breakthrough, because as we contend for this move the mountains, I believe God is going to bring breakthrough. I believe He's going to move mountains. And I want to say to you, sir or ma'am, give glory to Him when He does. Because people will see it, and they will want to engage with the same God that you know. You never know who may be listening. I believe God will open up opportunities for you to tell your move the mountain story. I told this story last week, Sunday, in the evening. But a man named Brett Anders in our, com in our community at his uh, 40th birthday the other day, he invited plus minus 100 of his friends, work colleagues, all sorts of different people, many not believers. And he stood up in front of this 80 to 100 people and he shared his testimony of God's goodness. I believe God will open up opportunities for you to tell your move the mountain stories. And those stories will transform people's lives. I want to say to you today that God has an appointment with you to use you, to use your calendar, to use your day, to use your ordinary moments, to take steps of faith and see mountains moved in your life, in people's lives, and in this city. God is using us as a church. Number one, live with expectation. Number two, step out in faith. And number three, give glory to God when He uses you. I'd love to pray for us. If I can just ask, just as we close our eyes, if there, and, and I would be remiss of me not to give this opportunity, but as we speak of this incredible Jesus, of, as we preach a word of a, a lame beggar who, through the power of Jesus, was set free, who had his, uh, something that had held him for his entire life, broken off him in a moment, I believe God can do the same thing for you tonight. It might not be a, um, the same thing, but depression, anxiety, fear, broke all of these things that so often hold us. I believe that in one moment of the presence of Jesus, we can see freedom come. And so if you're here tonight, and with every eye closed, and you have not made a commitment to this Jesus that saves our souls, gives us a relationship with God again, sets us free, if you do not have a relationship with this Jesus, I would ask you in this moment, 
to respond to Him simply by raising your hand and saying, I want to commit my life to Christ. If you'd like to do that tonight, with every eye closed, can I ask you to raise your hand just so that I can pray for you? See that hand. Thank you. If you want to make a commitment to Christ, just raise your hand. Thank you. Father, I pray for these people right now in this moment. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as they do a a simple faith action of putting up their hands, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break into their lives, Father. I pray that they would um, put their sin behind them, God, and submit their lives to you right now in this moment, Jesus. Thank you that the power of your salvation would come upon them, that freedom would come upon them, and your new life, Jesus, would break in, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in them right now, God. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you, Father, that we celebrate your sons and daughters coming home, God. Can we just give those people a round of applause? We want to celebrate salvation. It is the greatest gift. And then I'd love to just pray for us as a community for faith, if that's all right. Can I ask you to stand? And I want to pray for for courage and faith to build in our hearts. And even, can I ask you to do something even more bold, and it might be a little bit strange for you tonight, but can I ask you to raise your hands if you feel comfortable as I pray for us. Father, as we have engaged with your word tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put faith and courage in our hearts, God, to expect the miraculous of you, God. Thank you that you would put faith in our hearts, God, as we, as we engage our weeks, Father God, that we would believe that you would use us in radical ways, Father God. I thank you right now, Father, for each and every person in this room. I pray that their calendar would be a catalyst for your kingdom this week, Father. I thank you that each and every simple moment, Father God, day-to-day moment, Father God, you would use to move powerfully, Holy Spirit. I thank you right now for each and every person in this room. Would you put fire in their hearts, God, to trust you to do the impossible this week. I pray, Father, for every mountain mover in this room, Jesus. Pray for every mountain mover, God, that you would put courage, faith, and expectation, God, in their hearts to take those steps, Father God, and to believe that you are God who you say you are, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.